was observing these, this woman's two mites that didn't were not, care, that didn't were not care Jewish, whose face was on it. They weren't Jewish shekels. Right. <clears throat> and he looked at those two mites. He said, I accept that. Right. He accepted it because he knew that what it represented in her it was, heart. Mm-hmm. It was about this lady here out of everyone would have been justified to say, I can't give. I need every penny I have. All God is looking for, for from us is our faith. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Lifted Up podcast. My name is Corey O'Neill. I'm on the creative team here at New Beginnings. I'm here with our lead pastor, Joe Source, and this is episode two. Uh, we're doing this. Yes, it's yes, official. Yeah, we did more than one episode now, and we we're doing this because we want to add value to your lives. Amen. That's why we're calling it the Lifted Up podcast. That's what we do here at New Beginnings Church. We lift people up. Everything that we do here, it goes into the category of lifting people up, Amen. lifting up people up in their souls, lifting them up in their spirits, and just adding value to your life. And so today, we're talking about finances. Controversial it's, subject. It's, it's not the sexiest topic, I yeah, would say. It, it doesn't seem like it's the sexiest but topic. But it's the most needed and most practical. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you know what I was thinking about today? A sexy topic would be like God's plan for your life. Or, you know, the God-given dreams yeah. that you have. Like, everybody wants to hear a, a, a sermon about, like, Joseph. Inspiring. Right? Inspiring, yeah. yeah. Like, what's God's purpose for your life? What's God's plan? You know, your God-given dream. But those things are usually going to cost something. Definitely. And, and this, if you don't get this topic right, you're never going to see those dreams. Oh, yeah. And you're never going to see the plan because everything we do involves finances mm-hmm. or, or at least uh, an area of accountability yeah. and stewardship. With stewardship, we talk about stewardship. The Bible uses that term. We're really talking about being a good manager, Yeah. a manager of your time, a manager of your life, a manager yeah. of your talents, your energy. So, yeah, this is very um, applicable and very, very practical. And you know, you've heard me say this from time to time that when, when people have trouble in their finances, well, uh, especially if it's a, a husband and wife situation, a family yeah. situation, relationship situation, when the pressure comes on from finances, all the cracks in the relationship start showing up. And that's why this is going to add value to people's lives who yeah. are going to apply it. It has to be applied just like anything else. We got to be doers of the word. Yep. So, so yeah. Yeah. And so I think. Personally, I, I hope that what we share today, what we're going to talk about in the Word of God, that it, it would cause people to like, like. We want to make finances sexy again. C- can I can I say that? Is that appropriate? I guess. I guess. <laughs> um, it's just it does. It's not the most attractive topic of, for for sermons, but well, I'm hoping, usually what ends up happening yeah. is when a person comes to a point of crisis, then all of a sudden it becomes oh yeah valuable. Yeah, oh yeah. But if we'll get those principles involved in our life early yeah. on, we won't come to that place of crisis. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of crisis, uh, I, I just looked this up. This is statistics uh, from last year from Pew Research Center. Right, the impact on adults in America during the coronavirus outbreak. Okay, but well, honestly, if you look at this, it could apply to any time in life. Yeah, yeah. But let's look at this. It's 16% of adults had problems paying rent and mortgage, right? And, and this was this data was taken in August of 2020. 16% had problems paying rent and mortgage. 17% had gotten food from a food bank. 25% had trouble paying bills. And 33% had to use money from their savings in retirement to pay their bills. That, that's probably one of the most alarming out of all those statistics. Mm-hmm. 
that because you're looking at especially the retirement part a person has earning power uh you know if you're in your 70s and 80s that's not the time when you should be exercising your best earning power yeah best earning powers your 30s 40s and 50s so that 60 year old now you start managing okay how am i going to spend the rest of the next couple of decades yeah you don't you shouldn't be pressured at 75 80 years old to like where am i how am i going to pay my bills yeah to pull money out of a retirement at that point in time is rough now savings if you're going to keep pulling money out of a savings account then what's the use of saving yeah you know and it leads to a, a really deep wound in our especially for for the breadwinners of the house or whether that's a man or a woman you start feeling this man i'm like defeated it's like i can't save a dime if i put ten dollars in the bank i'm spending 15. yeah uh it's it's a tough thing it's like every penny you earn it's like it's falling through your hands like sand exactly yeah and like and this isn't god's best no not at all this isn't what god wants for us Mm -mm. um you know god cares about our finances our finances are really connected to God's heart. Definitely. He has emotions when, when, when it comes to finances, our yeah. finances. Well, he's a good father. He is a good father. I don't want to see my children struggling no. to pay their bills or to, to get a house or to have a car. That, that, that hurts the heart of a father to see their children struggling like that. And we're human. Mm-hmm. Imagine how much it hurts the, the heart of the father, yeah. especially that he's provided for us all of these principles, all of these yeah. practical things that we can put into, into action and into motion so that we could avoid these things. But I, I think what we have to kind of like settle as a baseline here is this, that when you're having a discussion about any topic pertaining to life, we've got to come to the agreement that we're going to, the basis of our discussion is going to be the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Because the Word of God is truth. Yep. Okay, we believe that. God presents it to us as truth. Uh, and so we have to we have to cut out our opinions because our opinions are based on emotion yeah. or based on uh, our life experience. And your life experience may be very different than my life experiences, like um, especially when it pertains to the area we're talking about finances. <clears throat> this is a very um, uh, what's the word I want to I want to use? I want to be careful. This is something that's very close to my life experience because yeah. my wife and I were in business, self-employed. There were times that we did very very well, but our business career didn't end really good. You know, we went into a bankruptcy. We lost everything. We were in just, I mean, God provided our needs, but we had to watch every dime, every penny for years until we got restored back to uh, kind of a place where we had been before. So for us, from my wife and I, for me personally, this is a very, very live subject for me because I've seen, if there's ever an area in my life where I've seen God really come through and, and really fulfill his promises, it's been in this area. It's been in the area of finances. And I would say secondly would be the area of, of health, you know, physical health. And uh, just general walking out things, uh, just walking out the plan of God. But so we don't, we don't really give enough attention to our financial situations. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but I would, I would venture to say that the majority of people that may be watching us right now probably don't even have a budget set up. So there's practical things. And yeah. you find all of these things in the Word of God. I mean, God talks about stewardship so much from the beginning of the Bible all the way through into the Gospels. Jesus told stories about stewardship and the rewards of being a good steward and the consequences of not being a good steward. So I think we're right on track here today, yeah. especially with these kind of statistics. Yeah. Um, there's so many people that are really unsure. And let's face it, we're, we're looking at an economy that possibly could be even more unsure in the next few years. 
we don't really know how things are going. So I'm, I'm grateful that we have this opportunity yeah. to instill, to add value into the lives of our listeners or those that are watching us so that they can start to, if they haven't been already, they can start to apply these principles. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about applying these principles, I, I think every time like there's a sermon on finances or, or whatever the topic is on finances, I think the assumption that a lot of people have is that, well, that, pe that preacher just wants my money. Or that God just wants my money. And I think there's a misunderstanding of, of what is God. Now, I'm not saying there has been abuse. In, 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 in oh, there's some, definitely been yeah. abuse. Not, not here. No, not I, here I, at this church. Yeah, I, I, in the general yeah. church world. In the general church. Yeah, of course there's been yeah. abuse. Um, but you can't let that represent what God feels about it. And you can't let that determine what your future is going to be like. You know, yeah. I, I say this every once in a while. People say, I don't want to go to church. All they want is my money. Mm -hmm. Well, then don't go to the mall because all they want is your money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and they, they don't have anything to offer you they except maybe a, a, a pair of shoes. Yeah. Exactly. That's going to go out of yeah. style or wear out. Yeah. So there is a passage in the Bible that I just, I, I can't get my mind off of because it's so beautifully uh, presents what God's heart is, what his attitude is about finances. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a really short passage. It's, it's, a few, it's a few verses long. I want to read it. It's in Luke uh, 21. Okay. Starting in verse one. And he, Jesus, looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury at the, at the temple. Mm -hmm. Right. This would be the equivalent of, of like, you know, during the church service, tithes yes. and offerings. The right. Offering, yeah. he, he, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites, which is like two little coins. Two, yeah, smallest, smallest yeah. copper coins. Yeah. So he, Jesus, said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all, more than those rich people, mm -hmm. right? For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. Yeah. In other words, he's saying her little coins represented more of her heart. Yeah. Yeah. In God's mind, her offering was larger yep. than the offerings of the rich mm -hmm. because the offerings of the rich weren't done out of the abundance of their heart. Mm -hmm. So it, what, it, what is, it, it, there wasn't a price attached to it. Right. Okay. So, what does I, that say about God's attitude about our finances? It's it's more about the motive of the heart. Yeah, so it's, it's not a, like God wants our he money. He doesn't need our money, but that money represents our sweat. It represents our work. It represents yeah. our creativity. It represents an, an expenditure of energy. It represents what we put out. Okay, yeah. so I understand that. But, you know, some people place way too much value on... Um, this is, I'm taking a chance here of being misunderstood what I'm going to say, but I feel like I need to explain that. So many people put so much value on what, they, what they're paid, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking from personal experience for, you know, I, I, my first job, I was 12 years old. So wow. I've been in the workforce for... I was playing video games when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> and I was traveling like 10 miles or 15 miles to get to the place where I was working. On foot? And it sounds like, yeah, uh, <laughs> uphill both ways. Um, so, so I've been in the workforce for years. And so many people tie their self-esteem to what they have, what they earn, their big paychecks, yeah. this whole bit. Um, it's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough. So the motive of the heart is like, I'm serving God. And we could talk about this uh, at, at, at some point, either in this episode or the next one. Yeah. Um, 
I think about Genesis 14. Abraham goes and defeats these kings and takes all their spoil and all their everything they had. You know, because you know when you go to war, traditionally you defeat another nation. You take everything they have. I mean, Rome was good at this, how they built so much wealth. Every nation they conquered, they took their wealth. Yeah. And so Abraham honors God with this wealth. He pays a tithe yeah. to this priest named Melchizedek, priest of Jerusalem. And um, this ties in with this, with this widow's might because yeah. Abraham displayed the same kind of a heart. Okay, when, when the king of Sodom wanted to make a deal with him and give him more wealth. And yeah. Abraham said to him, I wouldn't even take a shoelace from you <laughs> because you're not going to say that you're the one who made Abraham rich. Yeah. That's well, what's the, what are the consequences of, of this worldly king being able to say that he made Abraham rich? Uh, take away the glory from God. Yeah. Take away the credit from God. Take, yeah. it's, you know, we know God says it's him that gives us power to get wealth so that his, his covenant could be established with us. Yeah. So, so this woman here, she puts in out of her, let's say her social security check. Yeah. She's still, she's given to God. She's given to God. What, what does that tell us? That all of her trust, all of her faith, all of her confidence, her, she yeah. is completely dependent on God for her, for her living. I can't wait to find out what kind of blessing God brought into oh my, her well, life when we get to heaven. The blessing, look, here we are 2,000 <laughs> oh, years yeah, later, 2000 years and we're later. still talking about yeah, right? what she we're did. We're on the other side of the world. <laughs> you can't put a price on that. We're on the other side of the world, completely different culture and a completely different language, yeah. and we're still honoring this We're talking this about woman. this nameless widow still. Exactly. Another quick thing, that I, a little fact, when I, when I was studying this, and, and, and I was studying um, in John chapter 2 when, when Jesus cleanses the temple, okay? The money changers... That, that he was mad at, uh, at at the temple because the temple was a place of, of worship, mm -hmm. worshiping the Father. And the money changers were people who, um, for people that were coming to bring in their, their, um, their temple, the temple tax, tax. Right. Right. They had these coins that had like Roman pagan symbols on it. Right. And so, uh, but the officials at the temple didn't want to accept those coins. So they... They had people, the money changers there. It's like it's like if you go to Canada or some other country, and it's like I, I can't use my money here. I got to exchange the right. currency. But it they, was were like making, that. they were making they were making mad profit on this. It was right. so corrupt. They they were giving the Jewish shekels out so they can give the temple, but they were charging at a crazy price. And so I found that yeah, out but, and I but, learned but, about but it. But the the fact that they were collecting the offerings there is not in line with what the temple. The temple is a place of worship, like yeah. you said. Well, giving and paying our tithes and bringing and bringing off those are, that's worship. Yeah. So it wasn't out of order. What was out of order is they had corrupted the system oh, to yeah. try to make profit off of the people that were coming to worship God with their giving. Yeah. And and you know what I realized? So they wouldn't accept those those pagan coins that the people came in with. Yet this woman had the two mites. I looked it up. Those two mites have Caesar's mug on it, or <laughs> or at least some uh, Rome. Those it's Roman currency. Yeah. And Jesus looked at it. Jesus saw. Jesus was observing these, this woman's two mites. That didn't were care, not, that didn't were care not whose Jewish. face was on it. They weren't Jewish shekels. Right. <clears throat> and he looked at those two mites. He said, I accept that. Right. He accepted it because he knew that what it represented in her heart. It was heart. cleaner. It, it was wasn't a cleaner about the, offering. It wasn't yeah. about the copper coins. Mm -hmm. It was about this lady here, out of everyone, would have been justified to say, I can't give. I need every penny I have. Yeah. But she did. Yeah. And that was, again, it goes back to what I've said so many times. 
all God is looking for, for from us is our faith. That's it. Because that was the thing that was taken away from him by Adam and Eve. Yep. They took the faith that they originally had in him, their confidence that he was going to sustain them. He provided everything they needed to live. They took that faith away from God and they placed it in the enemy. And it's like God has been, was dishonored by that. And so it's like, we don't see God as having needs. And that's why sometimes I think people hold back on their finances because they don't understand. It's not about the money. God, yeah. can, Jesus fed 15,000 people with a yeah. few fish and a couple of biscuits, okay? It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with, are you trusting me? Yeah. We, are you willing to honor me? Yep, are you willing to put your confidence in me that I'm gonna take care of you? Yeah, th those two copper coins didn't put a dent in paying for stuff at the temple. You know, the other point too is, if I remember this correctly, and I think yeah. I do, the place where they would bring these was like, it was this brass, it looks like almost like a, like a cornucopia that you would see at Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. That's where they would come and, and, and put their money in. Yeah. And so when the rich, rich people would come, they would use a lot of coins and throw it in there so that it reverberated everybody. It was almost like throw it into a trumpet and everybody would hear how much they put in. This, poor, this little lady, she put in these two little thin coins that hardly made hmm. any noise. You see what I'm saying? Wow. It hardly made any noise. Wow, but Jesus good. took notice of it. Didn't make noise. It she made noise to trumpet. him. Her faith wow. made noise. The other ones, it was a display. Look at me. Look at how much I'm giving. Wow. Here, just like if we were to take an offering and, and just everybody took all the change out of their out of their pocketbooks and out of their pockets and just threw it in the bucket, you'd yeah. hear all this noise. Well, imagine that if you put that in a metal container. How much you know how, what a racket that's gonna make. Yeah. And here comes this little lady with her two little copper coins. You know, and I was wondering, <laughs> how did her two mites get get past because they didn't they didn't want to accept do you think maybe they were just like, all right, we'll let you put yours in, but we're going to take it out? No, maybe, maybe they thought it was so insignificant. They didn't see it. It did matter to them. Yeah, well, I guess we won't know till we'll, we'll we find out someday. Shot. But so, well, now that we know God's heart about finances, that it's it's not just our money. He's looking, he's looking for our faith and, and, and our trust in Him. Um, I think we need to know that because there are some misconceptions mm. that we have about Definitely. finances. There's uh, so here are, th are three. Uh, like main misconceptions, and we can go through these, but, but here they are. It's number one, I alone earned my money. Number two, I alone owned my money. Mm -hmm. And number three, I alone determined the purpose of my money. What's the common denominator there? I. I. I get the glory, I get the credit. Me. It's all about me, I, pride. I, I make the decisions, right. I have the final say. Right. And well, there's not there's not a whole lot of satisfaction and happiness and joy that really comes with that. Maybe maybe at first, maybe in the very beginning, but it never results. Yeah, but it's like a monster. It constantly yeah. needs to be fed. Pride oh, needs yeah. to be constantly fed. It's never satisfied with yesterday's meal. Yeah. Tomorrow is going to require more. Yeah. And that's why no matter how much a per when a person operates this way with these mis misconceptions, uh, they never have a sense of contentment. There's never a sense of fulfillment. There's always strings attached. Yeah. When, when a person like this with this kind of attitudes and entertaining these misconceptions, when they do something to bless another person, there's always a string attached. Yeah. You see what and I'm they saying? they want the credit. It's not pure. Yeah. It's not, it's, they want credit. Yeah. And that's what this person is wanting to stand up in God's face and say, I did this, mm. you know. Self-made. Exactly. Yeah. We know what happened to Nebuchadnezzar when he thought, I'm the one. Look at the, this oh, great yeah. empire that I built. Bam. Next day he's eating grass. He's eating grass yeah. for seven years and <laughs> growing feathers like an animal. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't get you far. Yeah. And so and you know, we believe that 
there is an answer in the Word of God for all, all three of these, these misconceptions that we have. So let, let's dig into the first one. This misconception yeah, I, one, I alone earn my money. So my question is, like, is there a fine line between having a good work ethic, right, which is good, but also falling for the delusion of being, like, self-made? Like, like is there a fine like, how yeah, do you walk it comes that down fine to, line? It comes down to bottom line. Where do you think you're getting your talent from? Where do you mm -hmm. think you're getting your giftings your abilities your creativity your wisdom your ideas yeah. um you know if you look back in in the history of this nation um you know this big industrial revolution that took place you know 1700 1800s and then you you get towards the middle to the end of the 1800s and you have railroads you have telegraph you have you have products that are produced you really trace the history of these things these people that came up with these inventions or came up with these ideas that, that amassed massive wealth, the very founders of those things, they were devout Christians. Wow. They were Christians. They were people who paid their tithes. They were people who, who had a relationship with God. You know, they had the Christian work ethic. Yeah. And when I say Christian work ethic, I'm not saying that we elevate that above anybody else's work ethic, right. but it's based on God, you are God, I'm, I'm just a person in your hands whatever giftings, whatever you've deposited in me, I'm gonna use for your glory, I'm gonna make sure. And so you have these philanthropists from the 1800s that started schools and orphanages and museums and all these parks, massive parks yeah. through the cities of the United States. Most of them were, 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 were from people who were Christians. They were, they were church people. They were people that, that recognized that what they had came from God. And look at how they blessed yeah. communities and blessed the whole nation. So everything that they did was a response to God, God's goodness Absolutely. to them. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yes, some of them, well, some of them lived in opulence. Yeah, well, they could still, they were wealthy enough and God yeah. had blessed them enough. They're not living in opulence now. Well, the, now the, I'm saying in eternity. Well, in, in eternity, they're living in the reward and the blessing yeah. of what they what they really earned on the earth. Okay, yeah. I'm not saying that they got to heaven because of what they did. But opulence but they means did. poor. You mean right? No, opulence means oh, extravagance. So that's that's why. <laughs> that's so okay. when you said that, I was like, okay. Uh, and what I'm saying is, people would have criticized some of them, the Rockefellers or oh. the Carnegies or or some of these others that, uh, yeah, but they, but they were so blessed they can afford to still live in opulence, to live yeah. in luxurious homes and have summer yeah. homes and homes in Europe and, and still bless people and still yeah. bless communities and still fund orphanages and uh, schools and build churches and hospitals and research centers. I mean, that's the ultimate. You know, God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. So we shouldn't be, uh, we shouldn't be opposed to having wealth. Right. We should very much oppose, and God's not opposed to us having wealth, especially when you can live good and still make sure that everybody around you is taken care of. That's the ultimate. That's how Abraham was. Yeah. You think any of his 300, we were told he had 318 servants at one time. You think any of them were living on food stamps? <laughs> I mean, Abraham made sure his servants were taken care of. His family was taken care of. Yeah. He made sure his descendants were going to get taken care of. So... Now, let's go to a scripture here. We're talking about this misconception, yeah. number one. I alone earn my money. Deuteronomy 8.18 just directly just cuts the legs out from underneath that. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Power to get wealth, okay? That he may establish, or really it should say confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. Well, what covenant is he talking about? He's talking about the covenant he made with Abraham. Yeah. He said to Abraham, I'm going to make you rich. Okay, we've talked about this plenty of times in the past. Abraham was already rich. 
but he wasn't rich from God's hand. Yeah. And that's what mattered. God wants us to be rich or to be prospering and be able to pay our mortgage, to pay our credit card bills, to pay. Well, he wants us to be able to do all those things, but knowing that it came from him. Yeah. That's what it all comes down to. So really, any of these areas that have pertain to money or finances for the Christian, for the person that's going to church, for the person that's paying their tithes, and why should I pay my tithes? Why should I bring, and maybe we could talk about at some point why we use the terminology paying tithes and giving offerings, okay? Because it's two different things, and I think that's important for us to talk about yeah. in the future, because people muddy that, you know, throw everything under tithes yeah. and throw everything under giving. Um, where was I going with that? We were talking about uh, the, the reason why people, they, they don't understand um, because of these misconceptions and because yeah. of other preconceived ideas that it's a matter of honor. Yeah. That's what I wanted to come down to. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of honor. Tithing is 100% about honor, okay? Because God can, God can turn anything into something that we need, okay? It's not beyond him. And he's not looking for the money because you know the electric bills in heaven has to get paid. It's a matter of honor. Are you willing to honor? And really what it comes down to, whenever we involve God in our finances, okay? And yet, we could say there are finances. They belong to him, but he's lending them to us while we're here on this earth. That's why nobody takes anything to heaven. Okay, we leave whatever we accumulate, we leave here. Yeah. We don't take it to heaven. You, you know, I just thought of like, you know, for somebody who, um, you know, they're Christian, they go to church, they don't really honor God with their finances. And they don't really have like the revelation of really just how good God has been to them and mm -hmm. how, how God has forgiven them, you know, because maybe they weren't like a drug addict. Maybe they weren't some rank sinner. Maybe they just live let, like, just like right. a, a borderline average life. And, and maybe they just, they just don't have the reality of what they've been forgiven. So like, I think the first thing that they need to do is not just start tithing. I think the first thing they, they need to do is to know, really know the love of God and really know what he's done for them, really have his grace, really truly change their heart, affect their heart. And I think out of that, it's like, how could you not? Absolutely. Isn't, isn't that always the issue? Absolutely. Again, but that comes down to honor. Yeah. Okay. If, if, uh, if I set you up in a business and I say to you, okay, Corey, uh, you love to do what you're doing. I'm going to set you up in your own studio. You're going to set you up and you're going to get all your equipment. You're going to do editing. You're going to do production. You're going to do all the stuff that you love to do. And I'm putting, I'm going to put it all up for you. You're going to use it. I'm not going to put my hands on it. Uh, all I want for you is at the end of the week, give me 10% of whatever you earn, whatever the company earns. That's it? If it was me, I would <laughs> yeah. have went with 25%. But God's willing to, because he wants to partner with us. He wants yeah. to be involved in our lives. So, so how much of a relationship could we have with somebody if we say, okay, you're allowed to come into my life. I want to share my life with you, but don't touch my wallet. Mm. Don't touch my bank account. You're like, wait a second, this... And that's what we do when we deny, when we withhold our finances from God, and we withhold our finances from furthering the interests of God, which is furthering the gospel. Yeah. We're like, he could, he, he wouldn't because he's love, but he'd be justified to say, how much do you really love me if, if I can't touch your wallet? Yeah. How much do you really appreciate what I've done for you if you have this area of your life on hold and I can't get involved in there? How are we sharing life together? I, yeah. I sent my son to the cross so that you and I could have a life together and have it more abundantly, but we're not really being honest with each other in this relationship. Yeah. Because you're withholding 
what you're earning. And I gave you, the, God could say, and I gave you the ability to earn it. I yeah. gave you the strength to get out of bed every morning. I think that's the thing. They don't, a lot of people don't understand. Don't, well, because do not it comes back to this point. I think yeah. I'm the one that's earning it. Yeah, because we did work. We yeah. did work. And it's that, well, we're not downplaying the fact that we worked hard. Because I, I think a lot of people can kind of take, take this out of context and that like, you know, to poo-poo the work ethic. Um, well, that's, that's a major problem right now. Right. We're, we're sitting here talking in the meantime. There are major facets of the economy uh, in this nation. I would imagine it's happened overseas right now. Well, people don't want to go to work. Why should I go to work? I'm making more money on unemployment. Hmm. Now, the little mom and pop businesses who are depending on the waiter showing up or the busboy showing up or the, the sous chef sh showing up in the restaurant, they can't even open the restaurants. Why? Because the people are home making more money on unemployment <laughs> than they're making if they go to work. Why would they go to work? Because they don't have this ethic. They don't yeah. understand. Okay, that they they could be adding value to something bigger than themselves. Yeah. So they're shortcutting themselves by by taking and taking. And granted, there's people that genuinely should be on unemployment. Right, but when yeah. you have a massive, just throwing money massively at an entire society, um, that undercuts everything. It puts yeah. all the emphasis back on, I'll just hang out and you give me what I need. Yeah. This goes God back. doesn't call us to just hang out and I'll give you everything I need. No. He, he told, didn't call Adam to do that. I was just going to say that. He told Adam, <laughs> take care of this garden. I've invested it here for you. Yeah. Put everything you need in it, but you're going to need to take care of it. Keep the snakes out. Yeah. And he didn't. And so isn't it interesting that if he would have did the easier job, he wouldn't have had to do the harder job. Because the easier job was tend it, take care of it, keep the snake out. Once the snake came in, because he allowed him to come in, yeah. all of a sudden now he's killing himself night and day. By the sweat of your brow, you're going to eat bread. You see the difference? Right. If he would have did what God originally told him, which was work, but it was still easier work, yeah. he wouldn't have to sweat, wouldn't have to worry about irrigating the crops. The water yeah. would have came from underneath. He would have had abundance. Well, when he, when he took that fruit from that tree, right, that was the one boundary. Do yeah. not take the fruit from the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right, and, and I think this kind of is a good segue in, into uh, misconception too, which is I alone own my money. Would you say that like in Adam doing that, like that was him, like I'm taking ownership of, of this stuff now. It's, it's mine now. I'm no, I'm no longer a steward. Now I'm making the decisions. It's very natural path for that to happen because once you break that first boundary, in his, in his, in his case, Adam, uh, you got you, you can access everything here that you need just don't eat from that tree yeah and what was he naturally attracted to that tree so when he broke that boundary it's very easy to, it's almost like dominoes after that yeah. you're you're their thinking completely changed they went from a confidence-based relationship to a fear-based relationship they went to being totally conscious of god's presence to being totally conscious of their own presence of their mm -hmm. self they were self-conscious now I'm, I know that I'm making, I'm ashamed. Yeah. They never experienced that before. So it's only natural that every other perspective of their relationship between them and God would have changed. And it was very possible that he now assumed, uh, I'm the one that is tilling this ground. This one. Hey, we know, because look, at his son Cain adopted the wrong attitude about what he was producing. Yeah. God didn't tell him, bring me vegetables. God wanted a blood sacrifice. Yeah. Okay. Abel knew what to do. Cain did not. Cain owned, Cain in his mind was the owner of his right. livestock. This is, look at what I produced. Yeah. Well, God doesn't want what we produce. God wants what brings him honor. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
you know, not to get off the topic here, but it's very much like people's attitudes in worship. Because, yeah. again, our giving, our tithing, it's worship. So people sometimes in worship will, will stand and just stand and keep their hands down, not sing, not participate. They're just becoming spectators like going to a concert. Well, that's not worship. Well, I don't like to raise my hands. It doesn't matter whether you like to raise your hands. He wants our hands raised when we're in worship. Yeah. We're to open up our mouth and give the fruit of our lips praise unto God. Yeah. Well, I don't feel comfortable singing from It's not about you feeling comfortable. It's about being obedient. It's about honoring yeah. God. When I lift my hands in worship, I'm not doing it to try to... Uh, make something happen. Make something happen. Yeah. I'm doing it because I'm worshiping you. I am declaring with the lifting of my hands, you are greater than me. Yeah. You are worthy of my worship. You're worthy of my praise. You're worthy of me proclaiming in front of everyone mm -hmm. that you are God and you're faithful. Yeah, and you know, like, when we do that, lift our hands in worship and not, not be, like, like at my wedding, right? Uh, I wasn't, we had worship at our wedding. Right. You I were doing it to of, honor God. I wasn't thinking about what, like it goes back to before the fall in the garden, they were only conscious of God. They were only, they were only aware of God's presence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we taste like what that is like when, when we look at our know, hands but We separate finances out. It's the yeah, same it's thing. It's the same thing. It's a matter of the heart. It's the same thing. Are you wanting to honor God? You know, I, I tell this story so many times, and, and if I've said it before, uh, forgive me for repeating it. But I got born again on one Sunday, okay, April the 25th, 1984. I started tithing the next Sunday. Don't, I don't know how, I instinctively knew. I swear, I guess I must have heard somebody mention it. I, nobody had to show me scripture, nobody had, to, it was like revelation from God. You need to do this. I knew I needed to do that because I knew I was this close to committing suicide. I knew how God had saved my life. I knew how God had saved my son from, the, from grow, my two sons from growing up without having a father. And there was so much gratitude and was so much like, anything you want is yours. Yeah. What do you want? Anything you want is yours. And so uh, I think that's why I really honestly can say that. Because uh, uh, if you look at Malachi, when it talks about tithing. He says, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing. Well, to me, that opening up the windows of heaven, and I guess it's premature, we're going to talk about tithing another time. But there's a flow back and forth. We release our tithes. We release them to heaven. We release them to God. He releases revelation knowledge. When you get it, when yeah. he says, I open up the windows of heaven, that means I can see into heaven. Wow. We always think that it's only stuff coming from heaven. That's what I thought. But if a window was open, okay, if I open a window in my house yeah. and you're passing by and, and the, the drapes are pulled back or the shades or whatever, the blinds, whatever, opening that window, you can see inside, right? Yeah. So it's not only that maybe a fragrance or if I'm cooking something is coming out of the window, it's you can look into it. So when we pay our tithes, when we honor God with our tithes, I believe with all my heart that it increases our level of revelation on what's going oh, on. Oh, yeah. You, you know things in the spirit. Why? Because you're partnering with him. If we're partnering with him, I'm acknowledging that he is the senior partner in this relationship. Yeah. That he's the one that has put up all the investment. Yes, I'm the one that's working it down here. But you know what? Every week, I want to make sure this is yours. I'm honoring you because you're the one that made the investment. And so when you do that, you're partnering now. So it's almost like God's relationship with Abraham. When he came, when he was going to go to Sodom, when, when he was going to send the angels to Sodom, he said, uh, shall I do anything without hiding, without telling my friend? Yeah. In other words, I don't do anything. I don't hide anything from my friends. Why? You're a partner. Wow. You're partners with me. 
you've honored me with, with what you've brought, with the tithe, with, with your offerings, things of this nature. And so there's a partnership. Now, if I have somebody who is not invested in what I'm doing, I'm not going to share stuff with them. They're already telling me they don't trust me. Hmm. Right? You know, I just thought about the, the circumcision that God began to institute mm-hmm. with Abraham. And, and, I, and I've heard you teach on this, that it, it like for us today, like, you know, the circumcision is like the cutting away of, right. of what's blocking right. us. Right. You know, right. is there a cutting away in our finances? Yeah. The tithe is very much like circumcision. Yeah. There has to be a part that's missing. I hate to say it that way, but right. yeah. we, we, our, our, the proof that we're in a relationship with God is that something is missing with, to the, to the, in the Jewish covenant, wow, yeah, the Abraham that's covenant. Good. Can you, say, can you say that again? You, I, <laughs> the proof that we're in a relationship with God is something is missing. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that, uh, isn't that such an odd concept? But it does, it's totally, because it's totally, totally contrary to our human nature. Yeah. Okay. And yes, you say, well, Jesus made people whole. Yes, he made them whole because they, he came, they came to him and gave him their faith. So they're, they're, they're releasing something. Yeah. In a partnership, you're constantly releasing something. In a marriage relationship, you're constantly releasing something. In a relationship between father and mother and children, you're constantly releasing something. Okay, you're always, you're always taking a part of yourself oh, yeah. and giving it to the other person. That's what a relationship is like. Yeah. Je- let's face it, God took Jesus. He came to this earth. He went to the cross. It, it, we know that there was like, a, what's going on here? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God himself had to release something of him, of the Trinity, in order for us to gain from that and to profit from that relationship. So, so that's why my heart goes out to people that are struggling financially, that don't have this idea, this concept right. Again, it's not about trying to raise more money for the church. This church yeah. is in good condition. This church financially, God has promised us that we were never going to have a problem in the area of finances. Now, that requires us to be good stewards. Yeah. It requires us to, to use the knowledge and wisdom that God gives us. We can't just be slouches and expect everything to be taken care of. But it's more about, I want to see people walk in a relationship with God as it pertains to finances so that they can release all worry, all anxiety, all concern. Because we're not here in this earth to only be concerned about paying my mortgage, paying my car payment, paying my utilities, uh, all these other things, storing up money for my future that in case the day comes where I can't work. That's not what life yeah. is about. We're here, we're called as Christians to do one thing. It's the Great Commission. Yeah. It's to bring the gospel to every nation, every person, every neighborhood, our next door neighbors, our family members, our coworkers. That's what we're supposed yeah. to be preoccupied about. And you can't be occupied with the things that God wants us when you're so completely preoccupied. I got a mortgage payment. I got a rent payment. I got a light bill. I got uh, college yeah. tuition, all this other stuff, all those pressures. Yeah. And, you know, one way of, of us, because Jesus said go, right? He started the Great, great, commission, great commission with go. Yeah. So he told them, that's what he's telling us. One way that we go is with our finances. Absolutely. Because if you can't go, you if send someone. I can't someone. go to Africa. Right. So to, I send someone. We yeah. support many ministries here overseas from this church. My wife and I have supported people throughout the years. Yeah. Uh, when you can't go yourself, you send. Yeah. And, and if everybody did that, could you imagine how the gospel oh would gosh. spread all over, the, all over yeah. the world? But but you see, it comes back to these misconceptions. If these misconceptions don't get straightened out, a person will not have the right attitude about finances yeah. and God. You know, I just thought of the scripture 
that I was obsessed with when when I began to to not take ownership of my finances anymore, right? When I began tithing, uh, when I started coming to church, Psalm 84, 11, no good thing is withheld from those who walk, walk uprightly. uprightly. That, that scripture just like yeah. really impacted me. Yeah. No good thing right. is withheld. Whatever it is, whether it's health, whether it's finances, yeah. whether it's protection, whether it's vision. And so after, after that, when I, when I began to, to release, like what you said, like there's got to be something missing from me, yeah. right? When I, when I released that, when I stopped taking ownership of it, and I didn't get it right all the time because my attitude would, would mm-hmm. constantly be up and mm-hmm. down, but I always continued to tithe. The scripture, I, I would always, whenever I would struggle in some area, whether it's finances or whatever, I would declare, I would say, God, you said that no good thing is withheld from those who walk uprightly. right. right. I, and, and I fall under the conditions of, of this promise because my, my, I'm not taking ownership of my right. So well, walking uprightly is a matter of the heart, having yeah. the right heart towards God. Oh, yeah. It's not just good yeah. behavior just exactly. for the sake of good behavior. Right. Yeah. And so that, um, that always encouraged me. That scripture always encouraged me when I was really going through it a lot of times um, in, in, in the early days of my walk with right. Jesus. Right. And, um so which, what do we cover? So, Misconception number so one. Yeah, this, I learn, I yeah. alone earn my money. Um, and then number two is I alone own my money. Yeah, that's right? a we tough one. We were just one. talking about that. That's a tough one. And so because I alone earn my money, because I alone own my money, therefore I alone determine the purpose of my money. Well, let's that establish tends- who owns the money. Let's establish that. Okay, Haggai chapter two, verse eight says, this is God speaking through the prophet. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Okay. Yeah. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Some translation says in the fullness thereof. Yeah. So it's very clear. It's all his. Yeah. Um, yeah. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world and those who dwell in it. I mean, even ourselves, we belong to him. Psalm 50, verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. He's saying it. It's all mine. I, yeah. I'm responsible for this. He's it allowing back us to, to have it. He's allowing us to use it while we're here. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I want to go into this part here. Um, we're talking about I alone, the, the concept of I alone own my money. So therefore, it goes into the next. Yeah, because these these misconceptions misconceptions build on each other. Oh, absolutely, they feed off well, each I other. Well, I earned it. Yeah. Well, therefore, it's mine. Yeah, you I can't tell it. me what to do with my money because it's yeah, it's yeah. it's my I purpose it. Well, wh- wh- what do we miss out on when we determine the purpose of our of our finances? The big when, when picture. The big, big picture. picture. Absolutely, the big picture. Because you think, for number one, if you if you're taking ownership of how you earned it and you're taking credit for how you earned it. You're automatically limited now because your ability and my abilities are limited without God. Hmm. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. Well, flip that around. I can't do anything without Christ strengthening me. So now I'm limiting myself to my own earning power. And that causes yeah. fear. That, but if you, if you say it to somebody who has earned a lot, who has done a lot of things without applying the word of God to their finances, so they're like, well, what are you talking about? Because wasn't that your situation before you came to Christ? Well, yeah, my situation was kind of unique before I came to Christ or, or during the time that I came to Christ. Um, I've always had a knack for being successful, okay? Uh, even at a young age. The first business I started, I was 19 years old. Yeah. Okay, didn't know what I was doing much. Uh, earned some money, but learned a lot. 
And then the next business I, I, I went into actually purchased a business that was already existing and took it and, and made it just much bigger than what it was and earning a lot more. So when I came to the Lord, I didn't come to the Lord in a situation where I was poverty stricken. I came to the Lord with frustration because I had so much success. By the time I was 27 years old, I had a, 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 a home that we built, completely furnished, another home, a two-family house that was producing income, plus the business that I had that was producing income. Yeah. So I didn't come to Christ because of the pressure of not being able to afford life. I yeah. came to Christ with the pressure of, no matter what I put my hands in when it succeeds, I'm still not feeling fulfilled. I still feel completely empty. Yeah. I still feel, I, I had poverty of spirit, not yeah. poverty of so bank account. You were dealing with, with the consequences of these three misconceptions, would uh, you say? In a sense, in a sense, um, because of my Catholic upbringing, mm -hmm. I always had a sense that God's blessing was on my life. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I thought everything I did was me and I took credit for it. I understood okay. that God's hand was on my life to the capacity that I could. Yeah. I understood it. I recognized it right. before I even had a relationship with him. And I think he used that to yeah. draw my heart towards him. Um, but I've always had this sense of honoring God. Okay. Always had the sense of honoring God. Like I said before, I got saved on one Sunday and started tithing the next Sunday and never looked back. Even when we went through bankruptcy years later, we always paid our tithe, no matter how much came in, yeah. we always paid our tithes. But because of having that kind of instinctively in my heart, I'm very aware of when these misconceptions are operating in, in other people's lives. Like here, like right now, I sit here right now with you. God has blessed us with an extremely successful ministry. And when I successful, I'm not saying just in money yeah. or in property, and though he's blessed us tremendously, I mean, he's given us the capability of reaching Monmouth County, Northern Ocean County, Central Ocean yeah. County, our Bayville campus, our Wall campus up in Monmouth County. He's given us tremendous opportunities here. But never for a second do I ever entertain that I did this. Yeah. There's no way. I'm, I would never have been smart enough to do what he did. So I'm glad that in the sense that it, it does... It has had this impact on me because I'm able to recognize when people are struggling, what it could possibly be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I hope that doesn't make it sound like I'm a know-it-all. No, yeah. I'm not proposing that. What I'm saying is because of my sensitivity and having seen God been so faithful in these areas, it's extremely easy for me to be able to sit with someone and say, okay, let's sort through your financial situation here. And usually I want to start with the heart motivation. What's your heart for this? Yeah. You know, my wife and I have always seen ourselves um, blessed so that we can bless others. And so it's not, you know, if God says, hey, I want you to give this to so-and-so, okay, yeah. Um, I want you to give this to this ministry, yeah, definitely. Whether it's, whether it's the churches, is, whether we're doing it on behalf of the church, or more so even in our own personal lives. Yeah. We've always been that way. It's just something that was very instinctive to us. It, it wasn't like, I, like nobody had to sit me down and tell me, hey, you have to tie. I just knew I want to honor him. Yeah. I want to honor him. And that's why when we, even when we teach on things here, it's never from a, hey, if you give this much, God's going to give you this much. Or if you do this, God's going to do this. No, yeah. it's, he's worthy of our honor. He's worthy of our worship. And I think when you, when you develop a lifestyle of honoring God, Okay, and I'm not, I wish I had it right in every area of life, but in this area, in finances, in, in giving God the glory for things, giving Him credit, um, we've seen 
good results. We've seen. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, right off the bat, I, I think of when our, when our church, when New Beginning Church, decided to for a, a God's pur- for a God purpose use the finances here to pay off the mortgage for what was that other church there was another church i don't we don't need to mention yeah. any it was another church yeah it was another by. church we paid off their mortgage right and what everything, happened after everything broke loose i mean within a month and a half we got the opportunity to uh purchase the, the property in bayville i mean 11 acres of property yeah. with a church or a key, a turn but key, that came right out, out of nowhere it came out of, no, well, it didn't come out of nowhere it came out of right, right, god yeah. gave us god prompted yeah. us okay plant this seed because you don't know what i've got planned for you a month and a half from now yeah. so plant this seed now do it now. And there was an urgency. I remember going to Pastor Caps going, I don't know what's going on here, but I feel like we've got to go like now. This week, we've got to go yep. take this check and present it to this other church. There's something about the timing. And that pastor was so blessed. And we, yeah. to this day, have a great relationship with each other. And, you know, his church is prospering. And, and it's just such a blessing. Because you, And I remember somebody emailing me that wasn't even part of either one of our churches that had heard what we did and said, I believe that what you did broke something over Ocean County. Wow. Just broke something in the spirit. Wow. And see that that's a that's such a blessing. Yeah. Okay. All we did was follow an act of obedience. We felt a, a prompting on the inside, do this, invest this, pay this yeah. off for this other church. You, you ever notice how it, it's not always one formula for all for all people? No, it's it, never it's, that it, way. It always, because I, I think of the rich young ruler. Jesus told him sell all your stuff, give it to the, give the money to the poor and follow me. Because the rich young ruler wanted to know, hey, Jesus, how can I get eternal life? Right. Because he thought, because he followed a bunch of commandments, I think he already thought he had the well, answer. This was a perfect, uh, this is a perfect example, illustration. He thought he earned the money, yeah. which he probably didn't, because he was a rich young ruler. Oh, yeah. Which tells us this was probably old yeah. money. This is probably money that he inherited. Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean that he was a slouch. He may have taken it and increased yeah. it, but he he made it so personal that he couldn't let it go. Yeah. And and what was Jesus doing? Jesus was not given an opportunity to become impoverished. Jesus was given an opportunity to sow into his future. Yeah. Because when Jesus said to him, "Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and follow me," it was two principles he was he was challenging him to enact. In the book of Proverbs, I don't remember exactly where it is. It says that he who gives to the poor lends to God oh, wow. and he won't be a debtor to anyone. In other words, if that young, rich young ruler would he did what Jesus said, yeah. he would have found himself even more wealthy because God's like, okay, you did this, but now I'm not going to let you say that you gave all your money away and now you have nothing. Right. Because you're obedient, I'm going to pay you back and you're going to be okay. Yeah. Now, the second thing was he said to him, come and follow me. That's a principle we don't talk about too much. And it's honestly something that I just rediscovered that I forgot about. When Jesus said to anyone, Peter, come and follow me. Andrew, follow me. Matthew, follow me, follow me. That was the invitation of the teacher to the disciple. Yeah. Disciples don't choose a teacher. The teacher chooses the disciples. Hmm. That's mind-blowing if you think about it. Yeah. Because none of them went to Jesus and said, can I follow you? So Jesus was offering yeah. him an opportunity to become one of the disciples. Wow. And eventually may have become one of the apostles to the church. Yeah. Now, we don't know. We'll find out in eternity if he mm-hmm. changed his attitude later and became one of the followers. Hopefully. But everyone, every time it says they, these people followed him, it's he invited them. And think about our salvation. We weren't really looking for God. He's looking for no. us. He's not lost. We were. 
Yeah. So when he touches our heart and we, we draw close to him, he's choosing us to come and be my disciple. Yeah. How you, come? That's an honor. How come Jesus didn't tell the other disciples to sell all your stuff? Maybe because it didn't have a hold on him. This yeah. guy, it definitely, we know it had a hold on him because he couldn't give up. He said he walked away sad. Yeah. But you know what the other part too that we never talk about? Jesus didn't chase him. No. We would have chased the person. He didn't need his money. He didn't need his money. He and could, he wanted he to provide it for the poor another way. He did. He did. But he didn't chase him. And, and Jesus, you know, the word of God lays down the line. It's up to us to come up to where it is, not to take the word of God and bring it down to where we are. And that's why in the area of finances, sometimes uh, it seems cut and dry. It seems narrow-minded. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, so I have to take 10%. You, you don't have to do anything. We get to honor God with our 10%, with the first fruit yeah. of our increase. We get to honor him by giving offerings. We get to honor him by actively becoming a partner in what he's doing on the earth. Yeah, and you know, I, I want to share a quick story because you said before that, you know, what do we miss out on when we determine the purpose of our finances? And you, and you answered, well, we miss out on the big picture. So quick story, uh, a few years ago, I had been working here for about a year mm -hmm. and I had a meeting with, with somebody, uh, this woman who I, I went to college with, we were both on the track team. Uh, during those years of college, uh, ne neither of us were, were believers. After college, we became Christians and just lived completely different lives. She had asked me to meet with her because she was going into a um, start a job with a ministry that does uh, like, like student athlete discipleship, like reaching student athletes with the gospel. And so she wanted to work full time with that. She was meeting with, with people um, to ask about uh, if, if we were interested in, mm -hmm. you know, sewing into, right. into her ministry. Um, so, so she met with me. And so she was sharing about the information and, and she, asked, she said, you know, her, her goal is to have um, a certain amount of people give uh, $100 a month, uh, month for, right. for whatever amount of time. Yeah. And um, as she's sharing this, I'm, I'm feeling the okay from God about this, but my head, my head gets in the way. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm going to give half of that, maybe 50 a month. Okay. <laughs> so you're trying to negotiate with God, yeah, right? Trying to go. So, uh, so I told her to do 50, because at the time, uh, I was trying to do the numbers in my head and like, it just wouldn't make sense. It felt like it would, I would be cutting it so close every month with my, with my bills and stuff. Um, I, I was working here. I was working here three times a week, three days a week. Right. That was the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And so told her, all right, I'll do 50 a month. And she was okay with that. She trusted God. So on my, on my drive home, I'm like frustrated because I, it's not like I felt God twisting my arm. It's just that like I, I claim and I post on Facebook, you know, trust Jesus and, and, and I love Jesus. And like I felt like a little bit of a hypocrite. Um, so I get home and I just like, I feel so strongly that like it's okay if, if I sow in the full amount that God told mm -hmm. me to. Um, if I just put aside my, my thoughts, my judgment, right. and my feeling. So I got on, on the website that the link that she gave me, put in the amount, and I told her, "Hey, you know, God was speaking to me, and uh, I decided to commit to um, the full one hundred, the full yeah." Right. Uh, and she was so blessed by it, and she, and so she she got to share the gospel and and do what God called her to do for that uh, period of time that she worked for that ministry, right? 
a couple of days after I made that commitment, two days later, I'm here at work sitting at my desk. You come up to me and you say, hey, can you work on Thursdays now, four days a week? <laughs> so now that more than covers sure. that extra $50. And so the real blessing out of that whole thing is it's not like me um, giving more money. I right. don't think that activated anything. Like, I don't think that, like, like I, I think that probably would have happened. I think I probably would have had more hours here anyway, just because of the, the yeah, amount Yeah, but it of, was the timing. God knew the timing. Exactly. And he offered you an opportunity to take a step of faith, and you That's did. That's what it is. That and was the, that's the, the big picture. Down. It's that's faith the big picture. and honor. Faith and honor. Yeah. Faith, and you can't separate the two. Yeah. Because if you have faith in God, you're honoring him. I got If we're honoring him, mm -hmm. we have faith in God. I had the opportunity to have my heart changed and to have an opportunity to step out in faith and, and trust God as my provider before I, I saw a, a, a logical reason right. in right. the natural. Awesome. That's the big picture. That's yeah. a huge blessing. Out Absolutely. Of and most people are missing out on the big picture. That's what they miss out on. They, I, don't, I they don't have the testimonies like you just shared because they were afraid to step out. And those testimonies, look at the testimony of this woman. Again, here we are 2,000 years yeah. later. We're still talking about the act of faith that she did. Yeah. So, so maybe God's we should heart. pick this up the next time, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we've... I got a lot out of this. Me I, too. I'm going to have to go, was go back and listen to it again. Yeah, um, this is good. We hope that if, if you're watching or, or, or if you're listening on, on your workout or washing the dishes or chores or on your commute or uh, however you're, you're listening to this, uh, we hope that this blessed you. We hope that this inspired you to have... Um, maybe just link up with what God's heart really is when it, when it comes to finances. And so, yeah, we, uh, we hope that this lifted you up and, uh, we'll see you next time. Definitely. Thank you for joining. Amen. Amen.